0: Hey, friends. Welcome to Death and a Butterfly. I'm your host, Carrie. Join me as we delve into a broad spectrum of topics, including but not limited to spirituality and well being, sharing knowledge for the modern journeyer. welcome to the thought process. Glad you're here and we can resonate together. Please like and subscribe to stay updated, and if you enjoy what you hear, please share with someone you love. Welcome back. I really like saying TED Talks lately, but I'm going to avoid that. It's not a TED Talk today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What I am going to touch on today, though, is um, the current situation I am facing in terms of the roni-roni virus, and pandemic protocols in one of my workplaces. Um, I'm a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, so this is currently my third job that is not on the entrepreneurial side, um, and they feel as though with the current mandates, remembering if you've listened to any of the last few podcasts, I talk about mandates not actually being true laws. Um, So with all of the mandates coming into effect, um, this company that I work for feels the need to now put a protocol in place as um, a means of making customers and other business relationships more comfortable. And I understand, I get it. Um, So as of November 1st, in the best interest of organizational function and the protection of all team members working within our organization and guests in our locations, it is a bona fide occupational requirement that we mandate that one of the following conditions is true for every person employed with this company. So they've given four options. They missed a fifth one, but I'll go over that momentarily. (laughs) So these are the four options stated. Those who work for or are applying need to be fully vaccinated with any of the vaccines approved by the government of Canada before they can return to work or begin working, and proof is needed to be provided. Um, The second option is those who work for or applying for work who cannot be vaccinated um, they need to provide medical concern or sorry exemption if they have medical concern um, so they need to provide an original copy of medical exemption from a medical professional before they can return to work um, And it says, due to public exposure and third-party contractors we work with, these team members may have to work in a limited or accommodated capacity. So, you still may not be able to do your job even if you have an exemption. (sighs) Number three, the third option. Those who work for or are applying who cannot be fully vaccinated um, due to religious beliefs need to provide an original copy from their church leader um, but during the meeting that we had it was said that even most religious principles won't even um, give you an exemption anymore because they want you to all be vaccinated um, so there there was that that came up so is three really an option then I don't know number four those who work for or are applying who do not want to be fully vaccinated um based on medical exemption, religious belief or personal choice will be able to continue to work if they personally pay for and provide a current PCR test that shows a negative result and is valid within 72 hours and yeah so the fifth option that they left out is termination so um I took the fifth option, I made up my own option. <laughs> And I am taking termination Um, So I fully understand why this company is moving the way that they are I get it It is of concern They really don't want to have to close their business So they're trying to make everyone feel comfortable In order to feel more comfortable to come in Because they're curious if um, everyone is vaccinated So I chose termination So, I kind of went in with some information just to educate them, um, but I'm going to start with something that you can do when your employer asks or pressures you to get vaccinated. Now, I didn't take this route because I don't feel like fucking around in this way, but um, essentially what this is saying is if you are being forced to vax in order to keep your job This is a great way to handle it. And the secret is not to refuse it. Now, listen to what they're saying. It's... In regards to the matter of potential COVID vaccine and my desire to be fully informed and appraised of all facts before going ahead. So this talking about pro-choice, what you put inside your body, wanting to know all the information. Just by the way, if you do not know... The COVID vaccines are in human trial until 2023, meaning you are currently a guinea pig. I'd be most grateful if you could please provide the following information in accordance with statutory legal requirements. So this is after all of the facts before going ahead. Number one, can you please advise the approved legal status of any vaccine and if it is experimental? Well, I just gave you the information. It is experimental until 2023. Number two, can you please provide details and assurances that the vaccine has been fully, independently, and rigorously tested against control groups and the subsequent outcomes of those tests? Well, no, they can't because it's in trial until 2023. Number three, can you please advise the entire list of contents of the vaccine I am to receive and if any are toxic to the body? Hmm. This is a big issue that a lot of people have is... They think it's bullshit when people ask, well, I want to know what's in it because I want to know what's putting in my body. But, you know, fuck what we think, right? (laughs) Number four, can you please fully advise of all the adverse reactions associated with this vaccine since its introduction? Well, no, because a lot of them and them, I mean doctors, have been paid to not report adverse reactions. Um, So there's there's that little part. Number five, can you please confirm the vaccine you are advocating is not experimental mRNA gene altering therapy? Well, we've already gone over this. It is still experimental until 2023. Number six, can you please confirm that I will not be under any duress from yourselves as my employers in compliance with the Nuremberg Code? Ooh, it's getting deep. I'll get into that a little bit later. Number seven, can you please advise me of the likely risk of fatality should I be unfortunate to contract COVID-19 and the likelihood of recovery? Once I have received the above information in full and I am satisfied and with absolute discretion that there is no threat to my health, I will be happy to accept your offer to receive the treatment, but with certain conditions, namely that one, you confirm in writing that I will suffer no harm. Two, following acceptance of this, the offer must be signed by a fully qualified doctor who will take full legal and financial responsibility for any injuries occurring to myself and or from any interactions by authorized personnel regarding these procedures. And when you get to number two, what I just said, no doctor will take full legal and financial responsibility in the off chance you get any injuries. And you know what's even better? I think it's specifically Pfizer has signed contracts with the government that Pfizer is not to be held liable. It's actually the government. So when this comes back around that you have received injuries from this experimental vaccination, who is really on hook? Just something to think about number three in the event that i should have to decline the offer of vaccination please confirm that it will not compromise my position and that i will not suffer prejudice and discrimination as a result well we already know we're all suffering from prejudice and discrimination as a result so let's be honest no one's gonna fucking confirm or sign that i would also advise that my inalienable rights are reserved The point is if they cannot provide this information you've not refused you've technically just said that you're willing to do it if they provide this information which no one in their right mind would legally take that on so there's that let's get down to the nuremberg code specifically permissible medical experiences this is from 1947 So this is not fucking new. We're probably going to end up having another Nuremberg trial, but let's not foreshadow to that already. So permissible medical experience, well, experiments, not experience. Oh, I'm getting too excited here. All right. The great weight of the evidence before us to effect that certain types of medical experiments on human beings, when kept within reasonably well-defined bounds, Conform to the ethics of the medical profession generally. The protagonists of the practice of human experimentation justify their views on the basis that such experiments yield results for the good of society that are unprocurable by other methods or means of study. All agree, however, that certain basic principles must be observed in order to satisfy moral, ethical, and legal concepts. Let's talk about number one. The voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. Now, I don't know about you guys, and I'm going to get into this in a little bit more detail, but how many have you felt that you needed to get the shot, this experimental vaccination, because you were going to lose your job or you weren't able to travel? This is not voluntary consent. This means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent, should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element or force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject-matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. (laughs) This latter element requires that before the acceptance of an affirmative decision by the experimental subject, there should be made known to him the nature, duration, and purpose of the experiment, the method and means by which it is to be conducted, all inconveniences and hazards reasonably to be expected and the effects upon his health or person which may possibly come from his participate participation oh my goodness in the experiment so number one is so highly fucking loaded because i don't know about you everything that is occurring in the world right now Hmm, with this vaccination goes completely against number one of the Nuremberg Code. (laughs) And you still don't think this is about our rights. And that we're just selfish asshole people that just want to go get other people sick. Like, no, we actually give a fuck about our rights. We care about our health. We are concerned for everyone's overall well-being, but we do not want to subject ourselves to things that are not of consent to us we don't know what's in any of this we don't know what's going to happen we don't know any of the inconveniences we don't know the full effects of anything Hmm. the duty and responsibility for ascertaining the quality of the consent rests upon each individual who initiates directs or engages in the experiment it is a personal duty and responsibility which may not be delegated to another with impunity. Hmm. So, what this is saying is by all means, you can go ahead and be pro choice. And this is your choice only, not anyone else's. But I don't know about you. What is the common narrative in the news and the media and the government? <laughs> I'll let you answer that one. I'm going to skip number two. We're going to go to number three. The experiment should be so designed and based on the results of animal experimentation and a knowledge of the natural history of the disease or other problem under study that the anticipated results justify the performance of the experiment. Hmm. From what I recall from reading, um, an experimental mRNA vaccine has never gone to human trial because it hasn't passed or gotten good results of animal experimentation. In fact, from what I recall, all these animals died. Moving on to number four. The experiment should be so conducted as to avoid all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury. Well, that's a big fucking red flag for me. Because the amount of vaccine injuries that I have had, um, well not had, heard, from personal experiences from people that I know a little concerning to me. I had one friend who let me know that she has gotten her vaccinations and now she's basically in permanent COVID status. She just has all numbers of symptoms all the time and it just switches whenever it wants. So it's like you're getting a vaccination to avoid having COVID and its symptoms and yet You are not avoiding all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury, are you? This same person let me know that a day after her brother decided to get his first vaccination, he ended up with Bell's palsy in the hospital. Now, this isn't the first person that has come forward with the fact that this is a vaccine injury, And in fact, Bell's palsy has been a huge outcome. Again, this experiment is not being conducted to avoid all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury. So I'm going to leave that at that. Mm -mm 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 -mm. (sighs) Number five, no experiment should be conducted where there is a priority reason to believe that death or disabling injury will occur, except perhaps in those experiments where the experimental physicians also serve as subjects. Hmm. I mean, that might be a mixed bag. Number six, the degree of risk to be taken should never exceed that determined by the humanitarian importance of the problem to be solved by the experiment i mean in my personal opinion this is no longer about humanitarian efforts it's not this is actually about stripping everyone's human rights but uh, i'm gonna leave that at that i'm gonna skip past all of this i'm gonna go to number 10 And then we'll move on. So number 10 is during the course of the experiment, the scientist in charge must be prepared to terminate the experiment at any stage. If he has probable cause to believe in the exercise of the good faith, superior skill and careful judgment required of him, that a continuation of the experiment is likely to result in injury, disability or death to the experimental subject. And I don't know about you. There's been a long long list of injuries, disabilities or death In these experimental subjects, aka friends and family. But it doesn't seem like it's stopping yet. All right, let's talk about the Health Care Consent Act of 1996. (sighs) Consent to treatment. No treatment without consent. 10. A healthcare practitioner who proposes a treatment for a person shall not administer the treatment and shall take reasonable steps to ensure that this is not administered unless A. He or she is of the opinion that the person is capable with respect to the treatment and the person is given consent. B. He or she is of the opinion that the person is incapable with respect to the treatment and the person's substitute decision maker has given consent on the person's behalf in accordance with this act. So, I mean, just hypothetically speaking, what are the chances that during flu season this year you might not receive a flu shot but a COVID shot instead? And if that's not actual consent, then where does it lie? Well, let's carry on to number 11, elements of consent. The following are the elements required for consent to treatment. 1. The consent must relate to the treatment. Two, the consent must be informed. Three, the consent must be given voluntarily. So if I'm going because I feel like I'm going to lose my job or I can't travel, that's not voluntary consent. I mean, they're trying to say that it is, but it's not. Four, the consent must not be obtained through misrepresentation or fraud. (laughs) That's a fucking red flag. The government and media are all over that shit. Informed consent. 2. A consent to treatment is informed if, before giving it, a. The person received the information about the matters set out in subsection 3 that a reasonable person in the same circumstances would require in order to make a decision about the treatment, and b. The person received responses to his or her request for additional information about those matters. Hmm how many people have actually gotten the additional information that they would like like the additional information that they suggested you talk to your employer about about the actual legal liability of a doctor taking it on i bet you that's not happening so Informed consent number three, so the matters referred to in subsection two, which we just went over, are one, the nature of the treatment, two, the expected benefits of the treatment, three, the material risks of the treatment, four, the material side effects of the treatment, five, alternative courses of action. Well, what are the alternative courses of action? Because we haven't been given very many. It's kind of like vaccination or bust. Number six, the likely consequences of not having the treatment. Well, the likely consequences of me not having the treatment is a 99% survivability rate, but I'm not a doctor. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Consent, express or implied. Number four, consent to treatment may be expressed or implied. Included consent, unless it is not reasonable to do so in the circumstances, a healthcare practitioner is entitled to presume that consent to a treatment includes a consent to variations or adjustments in the treatment if the nature, expected benefits, material risks, and material side effects of the changed treatment are not significantly different from the nature, expected benefits, material risks, and material side effects of the original treatment. That's a lot b consent to the continuation of the same treatment in a different setting if there is no significant change in the expected benefits material risks or material side effects of the treatment as a result of the change in the setting in which it is administered hmm. i mean if there's no significant change in the expected benefits why would you have to keep getting boosters i don't think it actually helps with anything That's just my personal opinion. Withdrawal of consent. A consent that has been given by or on behalf of the person for whom the treatment was proposed may be withdrawn at any time. A, by the person. If the person is capable of respect to the treatment at the time of the withdrawal. B, the person's substitute decision maker. Again. So you can withdraw at any time. Mm Mm. let's talk about consent on an incapable person's behalf because this let me switch it up here this is going to talk about children which is a huge concern right now so a list of persons who may give or refuse consent 20 1. If a person is incapable with respect to a treatment, consent may be given or refused on his or her behalf by a person described in one of the following paragraphs. 1. The incapable person's guardian. If the guardian has authority to give or refuse consent to the treatment. 2. The incapable person's attorney for personal care. If the power of attorney confers authority to give or refuse consent to the treatment. 3. The incapable person's representative appointed by the board. Four, the incapable person's spouse or partner. Five, a child or parent of the incapable person or a children's aid society or other person who is lawfully entitled. So this applies to Two, whether the incapable person's condition or well-being is likely to improve, remain the same, or deteriorate without the treatment. Three, whether the benefit the incapable person is expected to obtain from the treatment outweighs the risk of harm to him or her. Four, whether a less restrictive or less intrusive treatment would be as beneficial as the treatment that is proposed. I'm still not seeing very much talk about less intrusive treatments or other options. Am I wrong? Oh, and then we could get into FOIP. So, Freedom of Information and Protection of Privacy Act, which is 1990. So, in this act, personal information means recorded information about an identifiable, wow, identifiable, I'm struggling, individual, including. I'm just going to go right to B. Information relating to the education or the medical Psychiatric, psychological, criminal, or employment history of the individual or information relating to financial transactions in which the individual hasn't been involved. Hmm. C. Any identifying number, symbol, or other particular assigned to the individual. I'm going to go right to E. The personal opinions or views of the individual except where they relate to another individual. <sighs> and let's just jump right to h the individual's name where it appears with other personal information relating to the individual where the disclosure of the name would reveal other personal information about the individual so technically all of these things are under the foip act meaning no one has fucking access to your shit a medical procedure is between you and your doctor and no one else. Yet, for some reason, everyone feels fucking entitled to your private information lately. Hmm. Wild. So, going on collection of personal information. No person shall collect personal information on behalf of an institution unless the collection is expressly authorized by statute used for the purposes of law enforcement, or necessary to the proper administration of lawfully authorized activity." So again, who the fuck are you to be entitled to my personal information? Alright, I see you. Education Station. Like fuck, why isn't the Reading Rainbow still around? Like we need this shit all over the Reading Rainbow right now, god damn. Hmm. Jumping right to offenses. Sixty-one. One, no person shall a willfully disclose personal information in contravention of this act. Meaning you don't need to disclose your vaccination status. Just a thought. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Penalties. Every person who contravenes subsection 1 is guilty of an offense and on conviction is liable to a fine not exceeding $5,000. Pay up. I would like lots of money right now. And I know for a fact I was asked at work twice if I've been vaccinated. So like, fuck, that should be 10 grand right there. (laughs) This is a fucking joke. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. All right, Personal Health Information Protection Act of 2004. In this act, personal health information subject, subject, ooh, I'm struggling, subject to subsections three and four means identifying information about an individual in oral or recorded form. If the information, A, relates to physical or mental health of the individual, including information that consists of the health history of the individual's family, B, relates to the providing of health care to the individual, including the identification of a person as a provider of health care to the individual. Hmm. I'm going to jump right to E relates to the donation by the individual of any body part or bodily substance of the individual or is derived from the testing or examination of any such part or bodily substance are you donating blood Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so identifying information in this section identifying information means information that identifies an individual or for which it is reasonably foreseeable in the circumstances that it could be utilized either alone or with other information to identify an individual elements of consent 18 if this act or any other act requires the consent of an individual for the collection use or disclosure of personal health information by a health information custodian the consent must be the consent of the individual, must be knowledgeable, must relate to the information, and must not be obtained through deception or coercion. I mean, there's that big fucking word again. How many of you have been coerced? Do you know now what coercion means? (laughs) Again, withdrawal of consent. Persons who may consent... Let's jump to Genetic Non-Discrimination Act. So all of this information that I am reading to you right now can be found on my website, www.synergicfit.com. You'll go to the blog section, and it'll be the most recent blog that says Know Your Rights. And you can download the PDF there. Genetic Non-Discrimination Act, 2017. <sighs> the following definitions apply to this act disclose includes to authorize disclosure. Genetic test means a test that analyzes DNA, RNA, or chromosomes for purposes such as the prediction of disease or vertical transmission risks or monitoring diagnosis or prognosis. (sighs) Prohibitions. Genetic test. Three. One. It is prohibited for any person to require an individual to undergo a genetic test as a condition of a providing goods or services to that individual. B, entering into or continuing a contract or agreement with that individual. Or C, offering or continuing specific terms or conditions in a contract or agreement with that individual. Hmm. Refusal to undergo genetic test. Two, it is prohibited for any person to refuse to engage in an activity described in any of the paragraphs A to C in respect of an individual on the grounds that the individual has refused to undergo a genetic test disclosure of results it is prohibited for anyone to require an individual to disclose the results of a genetic test as a condition of engaging in an activity described in any of the paragraphs so for you to need a test to go to a restaurant to go to an event to go to fucking work it's illegal it is prohibited for any person to require an individual to undergo a test Again, I'm going to read it to you. For providing goods or services to that individual. (laughs) Like, hello, hockey games. Hello, concerts. Hello, restaurants. Hmm. Refusal to disclose results. It is prohibited for any person to refuse to engage in an activity described in any of the paragraphs. 3. A to C. And respect of an individual on the grounds that the individual has refused to disclose the results of a genetic test. Written consent, it is prohibited for any person who is engaged in an activity described in any of the paragraphs, A through C, in respect of an individual to collect, use, or disclose the results of a genetic test without the individual's written consent. So how many of you have given written consent? bet you not one of you have. Let's get to the good part, though, okay? (laughs) Offenses and punishment. Criminal code. 1985. (sighs) Parties to offenses. 21-1. Everyone is a party to an offense who A. Actually commits it. B. Does or omits to do anything for the purpose of aiding any person to commit it. Or C. Abets any person in committing it common intention two where two or more persons from an intention in common to carry out an an unlawful there we go purpose (laughs) and to assist each other therein and any one of them in carrying out the common purpose commits an offense each of them who knew or ought to have known that the commission of the offense would be a probable consequence of carrying out the common purpose is a party to that offense (laughs) bear with me as I scroll through let's talk about assault Hmm. 265.1 a person commits an assault when A. without the consent of another person he applies force intentionally to that other person directly or indirectly so I mean they don't need to actually physically touch you and they could assault you I mean (laughs) without the consent of another person applies force this also relates back to your coercion so how many of you have been assaulted and you didn't take any legal action because you just fucking flew those rights out the window continuing on assault 266 everyone who commits an assault is guilty of a an indictable offense and is liable to imprisonment for a term not exceeding five years or be an offense punishable on summary conviction unlawfully causing bodily harm Ooh, this one's gonna get interesting 269 everyone who unlawfully causes bodily harm to any person is guilty of a an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term not exceeding 10 years or b, an offense punishable on summary conviction torture 269.1 One. every official or every person acting at the instigation of or with the consent oh, I'm going to mess this word up, or acquiescence, acquiescence, I can never say that word, I'm sorry, <laughs> of an official who inflicts torture on any other person who is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term not exceeding 14 years. Torture means any act or omission by which severe pain or suffering, whether physical or mental, is intentionally inflicted on a person. So we'll continue on for a purpose, including punishing the person for an act that the person or third person has committed or is suspected of having committed. Three, intimidating or coercing the person or a third person. Or B, for any reason based on discrimination of any kind. Hmm. Interesting. Discrimination of any kind. How many of y'all feel discriminated against? Bum, 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 bum. so let's talk about no defense three it is no defense to take a charge under this section that the accused was ordered by a superior or a public authority to perform the act or omission that forms the subject matter of the charge or that the act or mission is alleged to have been justified by exceptional circumstances including a state of war a threat of war internal political instability or any other public emergency it is not a defense or any other public emergency meaning if we're in a medical pandemic and we're being coerced it's not a defense not a defense against assault or torture but the government doesn't want you to know that Mm-hmm. Let's move on to intimidation because I find this one very interesting. 423.1. Everyone is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than five years, or is guilty of an offense punishable on summary conviction who wrongfully and without lawful authority for the purpose of compelling another person to abstain from doing anything that he or she has a lawful right to do, or do anything that he or she has a lawful right to abstain from doing. Hmm. A uses violence or threats of violence to that person or their intimate partner or children or injures the person's property. B intimidates or attempts to intimidate that person or a relative of that person by threats that in Canada or elsewhere violence or other injury will be done to or punishment inflicted on him or her as a relative of his or hers or that the property will be damaged. Hmm. So I don't know about you. But that right there just tells me the government is intimidating. I feel intimidated. And it's for the purpose of them compelling me to abstain from leaving the country, which is my lawful right to do. I'm supposed to be able to come and go as I please from the country. But I'm being intimidated. And now my rights are being stripped away that I cannot leave unless I am coerced into having... An experimental vaccination. (laughs) So, I'm about to uh, read you the educational material that I handed my employer today. Like I said, I'm not uh, full on going (laughs) for my own personal legal action against them. I get that they're doing what they feel they need to do and they're not educated and I get it. Um, So this is the information that I graciously gave them because they too also wanted to know human rights and they couldn't quite find anything. So I provided them a vaccine notice of liability to the employer. Regarding COVID-19 injections recommended or administered to employees, this is an official and personal notice of liability. As my employer, you are not a medical professional and therefore, you are unlawfully practicing medicine by prescribing, recommending, and or using coercion to insist employees submit to the experimental medical treatment for COVID-19, namely being injected with one of the experimental gene therapies commonly referred to as a vaccine. To begin with, the emergency measures are based on the claim that we are experiencing a public health emergency. There is no evidence to substantiate this claim. In fact, the evidence indicates that we are experiencing a rate of infection consistent with normal influenza season. And if you've looked at any of the numbers, really, they've somehow eradicated... Influenza during flu season. Uh, Just gonna leave that there. So, the purported increase in cases is a direct consequence of increasing testing through the inappropriate use of the PCR instrument to diagnose so called COVID 19. It has been well established that the PCR test was never designed or intended as a diagnostic tool, and it is not an acceptable instrument to measure this so called pandemic. Its inventor, Carrie Mullis, has clearly indicated that the PCR testing device was never created to test for coronavirus. Mullis warns that the PCR test can be used to find almost anything in anybody. If you can amplify one single molecule, then you can find it because the molecule is nearly in every single person. In light of this warning, the current PCR test utilization set at higher amplifications is producing up to 97% false positives. Therefore, any imposed emergency measures that are based on PCR testing are unwarranted, unscientific, and quite possibly fraudulent. An international consortium of uh, life science scientists have detected 10 major scientific flaws at the molecular and methodological level and a three-peer review of the RT-PCR test to detect SARS-COVID. In November 2020, a Portuguese court ruled that the PCR tests are unreliable. On December 14, 2020, the WHO admitted the PCR test has a problem at high amplifications as it detects dead cells from old viruses, giving a false positive. February 16, 2021, BC Health Officer Bonnie Henry admitted PCR tests are unreliable. On April 8, 2021, the Austrian court ruled the PCR was unsuited for COVID testing. On April 8, 2021, a German court ruled against PCR testing stating the test cannot provide any information on whether a person is infected with an active pathogen or not because the test cannot distinguish between dead matter and living matter. On May 8, 2021, the Swedish Public Health Agency stopped PCR testing for the same reason. On May 10, 2021, Manitoba's chief microbiologist and laboratory specialist Dr. Jared Bullard testified under cross-examination in a trial before the Court of the Queen's Bench in Manitoba that PCR tests do not verify infectiousness and were never intended to be used to diagnose respiratory illnesses. That was just page one. Based on this compelling and factual information, the emergency use of COVID-19 experimental injection is not required or recommended. Number one, look what comes up again, the Nuremberg Code. (laughs) To which Canada is a signatory states that it is essential before performing medical experiments on human beings. There is voluntary informed consent. It also confirms a person involved should have legal capacity to give consent without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion, and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him or her to make an understanding and enlightened decision. This requires before the acceptance of an affirmative decision by the experimental subject that there should be made known to him or her the nature, duration, and purpose of the experiment, the method, and means by which it is to be conducted, all inconveniences and hazards reasonable to be expected, and the effects upon his or her health or person which may be possibly come from participation in the experiment. So basically everything I already went over, but here's the kicker for me, is you need to understand what the experiment is going to be doing, the duration, the purpose of it, any and all inconveniences, sorry, and hazards that could be expected. But because it's in human trial until 2023, they don't know all of the inconveniences and hazards. They can't tell you. Because they're practicing it on you to see what all the inconveniences and hazards are going to be. So moving on. Number two, all the treatments being marketed as COVID-19 vaccines are still in phase three clinical trials until 2023. Here we go. And hence qualify as a medical experiment. People taking these treatments are enrolled as test subjects and are further unaware that the injections are not actual vaccines as they do not contain a virus, but instead an experimental gene therapy. Number three, none of these treatments have been fully approved, only granted emergency youth, youth wow, use authorization by the FDA, which Health Canada is using as the basis for approval under the interim order, therefore fully informed consent is not possible. Oh, what a fucking kicker there. Number four, most vaccines are trialed for at least five to ten years. And COVID-19 treatments have only been in trials for one year. (laughs) Number five, no other coronavirus vaccine, MERS, SARS-1, has been approved for market due to antibody-dependent enhancement resulting in severe illness and deaths in animal models. What did I talk about earlier? That all the animals died or severe illness so they haven't been approved for human consumption because it hasn't passed animal trials in the Nuremberg Code number six Numerous doctors, scientists, and medical experts are issuing dire warnings about the short and long-term effects of COVID-19 injections, including, but not limited to death, blood clots, infertility, miscarriages, Bell's palsy, oh, that guy came up again, cancer, inflammatory conditions, autoimmune disease, early-onset dementia, convulsions, anaphylaxis, inflammation of the heart, and antibody-dependent enhancement leading to death. This includes children ages 12 to 17. Now, Another reason I am not taking part in this experiment is I got shingles this last summer. Yes, it was a stress response, but for me, I'm shocking that I'm lumping it under autoimmune disease. I do not need any other random fuckery coming up in my body because I'm putting an experimental vaccine in my body shingles was fucking not fun and i don't wish that upon anyone so like why when these warnings are coming up am i gonna fuck with it no nope. dr byram bridal a pro vaccine associate professor on viral immunology at the university of guelph Gives a terrifying warning of the harms of the experimental treatments in a new peer reviewed, scientifically published research study on COVID 19 shots. Peer reviewed. The added spike protein to the vaccine gets into the blood, circulates through the blood in individuals over several days post vaccination. It accumulates in the tissues such as the spleen, bone marrow, the liver, the adrenal glands, testes, and of great concern, it accumulates high concentrations into the ovaries. Dr. Bridal notes that they have known for a long time that the spike protein is a pathogenic protein. It is a toxin and can cause damage if it gets into blood circulation. Well, how is it injected right into your fucking blood circulation? Like, give me a break. The study confirms the combination is causing clotting, neurological damage, bleeding, heart problems, etc. There is a high concentration of the spike protein getting into breast milk and reports of suckling infants developing bleeding disorders in the gastrointestinal (laughs) tract. There are further warnings that this injection will render children infertile and that people who have vaccinated should not donate blood. But here's the fucking kicker. So I've just given you that little itty-bitty piece of information. Those who have been vaccinated should not donate blood. You know, like, why are we getting, I mean, a mixed bag of everything. But realistically, who's paying whom to put what information out there? Hmm. Just something to think about continuing on because that was only the second page you guys seven minors are at nearly zero percent risk of contracting or transmitting this respiratory illness and are instead buffers which help others to build their immune system Fuck yeah, they've always been little dirty things. But hey, (laughs) the overall survival rate of minors is 99.997%. In spite of these facts, the government is pushing the experimental treatment with the tragic outcome of high incidence of injury and death. Number eight, according to Health Canada's summary basis of decision. Updated May 20th, 2021. Trials have not proven that the COVID 19 treatments prevent infection or transmission. The summary also reports that both Moderna and Pfizer identified that there are six areas of missing, limited or no clinical data information. Use in a pediatric age 0 to 18, use in pregnant and breastfeeding women, long term safety, long term efficacy, including real-world use, safety, and immunogenicity in subjects with immune suppression. (sighs) And concomitant administration of non-COVID vaccines. Six areas of missing, limited, no-clinical data. So you don't have all the information, and yet you're fucking submitting yourself to it. Under the risk management plan section of the summary basis of decision, it includes a statement based on clinical and non-clinical studies that one important potential risk was identified being vaccine-associated enhanced disease, including vaccine-associated enhanced respiratory disease. In other words, the shot increases the risk of disease and side effects and weakens immunity towards future SARS-related illnesses. No fucking thank you. I'll take my fucking special handy-dandy natural immunity. The report specifically states the possibility of vaccine-induced disease enhancement after vaccination against SARS-CoV-2 has been flagged as a potential safety concern that requires particular attention by the scientific community including the World Health Organization, WHO, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, CEPI, and the International Coalition of Medicine's Regulatory Authorities, ICMRA. Number nine. As reported in the United States to the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, VAERS, There have been more deaths from the COVID-19 injections in five months, December 20th to May 2021, than deaths recorded in the last 23 years from all vaccines combined. Again, this is not a vaccination. But they like to market it as such. Hmm. It is further reported that only 1% of vaccine injuries are reported to VAERS. I wonder why. Compounded by several months' delay in uploading the adverse events to the VAERS database... Huh. On May 21st, 2021, VAR's data release in the USA alone showed 262,521 reports of adverse events following COVID 19 injections, including 4,406 deaths and 21,537 serious injuries between December 14th, 2020, and May 21, 2021 and that adverse injury reports among 12- to 17-year-olds more than tripled in one week. But they're pushing that anyone over 12, you just fucking go out there and get it. Dr. McCullough, a highly cited COVID doctor, came to the stunning conclusion that the government was scrubbing unprecedented numbers of injection-related deaths, He further added a typical new drug at about five deaths, unexplained deaths, we got a black box warning. Your listeners would see it on TV saying it may cause death. And then at about 50 deaths, it's pulled off the market. So if they have that information, what did I go over earlier? If they know... That it is not good for the human as a whole. It gets pulled off the market. They have 50 deaths. 50 deaths it's pulled off the market. We have over 4,406 deaths between December 14th, 2020 and May 21, 2020. Again, within five months, those are more deaths recorded in the last 23 years from all vaccines combined. And they still haven't pulled it off the market. 150 deaths pulls it off the market. Number 10, Canada's adverse events following immunization, AEFI, is a passive reporting system and is not widely promoted to the public, hence May Many adverse events are going unreported. Eleven. And this fucker is in bold. (laughs) Safe and effective treatments and preventative measures exist for COVID-19, apart from the experimental shots, yet the government is prohibiting their use. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. (sighs) Under the Crimes Against Humanity and War Crimes Act of Canada, a crime against humanity means, among other things, murder, any other inhumane act or omission that is committed against any civilian population or any identifiable group, and that, at the time and in the place of its commission, constitutes a crime against humanity according to customary international law, conventional international law, or by virtue of its being criminal, according to the general principles of law, are recognized by the community of nations. Whether or not it constitutes a contravention of the law in force at the time and in the place of its commission, the act also confirms that every person who conspires or attempts to commit is an accessory after the fact in relation to counsels in relation to a crime against humanity is guilty of an offense and liable to imprisonment for life i mean at this point we don't have fucking prisons big enough under section 265 and 266 of the criminal code of canada i already went over those a person commits an assault when Without the consent of another person, he applies force intentionally to that other person directly or indirectly. Everyone who commits an assault is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a long term, not exceeding five years or an offense punishable on summary conviction. It is further violation of the Canadian Criminal Code to endanger the life of another person. Sections 216, 217, 217. 217.1, and 221. Duty of persons undertaking acts dangerous to life. Section 216, everyone who undertakes to administer surgical or medical treatment to another person or to do any other other lawful, not unlawful, Any other lawful act that may endanger the life of another person is, except in cases of necessity, under a legal duty to have and to use reasonable knowledge, skill, and care in doing so. Let's just, you know, go full circle back to if it's over 50 deaths, 50 deaths, they take it off the market. Well, they already have reasonable knowledge and they are not fucking doing so, so there's there's the duty of persons undertaking acts of dangerous you know fun stuff duty of persons undertaking acts section 217 everyone who undertakes to do an act is under a legal duty to do it if an omission to do the act is or may be dangerous to life duty of persons directing work section 217.1 everyone who undertakes or has the authority to direct how another person does work or performs a task is under a legal duty to take reasonable steps to prevent bodily harm to that person or any other person arising from that work or task. Hmm. I'll let that one sink in. Causing bodily harm by criminal negligence section 221 every person who by criminal negligence causes bodily harm to another person is guilty of a an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than 10 years or b an offense punishable or you know that's fun so i feel like i'm just repeating myself at this point but moving on domestically in the seminal decision of hop and lep H-O-P-P, and LEP, L-E-P-P, 1980. The Supreme Court of Canada determined that cases of non-disclosure of risks and medical information fall under the law of negligence. Hop also clarified the standard of informed consent and held that if a certain risk is only a slight possibility, which ordinarily would not be disclosed, but which carries serious consequences such as paralysis or death, the material risk must be revealed to the patient. The duty of disclosure for informed consent is rooted in an individual's right to bodily integrity and respect for patient autonomy. In other words, a patient has the right to understand the consequences of medical treatment regardless of whether those consequences are deemed improbable and have determined that although medical opinion can be divided as to the level of disclosure required, the standard is simple. A reasonable person would want to know the serious risks even if remote. Vaccination is voluntary in Canada. The federal and provincial governments have made it clear that getting the COVID injections will not be mandatory. Employers are infringing on human rights and putting themselves personally at risk of a civil lawsuit for damages and potential imprisonment by attempting to impose this experimental medical treatment upon their employees. Canadian law has long recognized that individuals have the right to control what happens to their bodies. Fucking wild. The citizens of Canada are protected under the medical and legal ethics of express-informed consent are entitled to the full protections guaranteed under Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, 1982, Section 2A, 2B, 7, 8, 9, and 15. There are also full protections under the Universal Declaration on Bioethics and Human Rights, 2005. The Nuremberg Code, 1947, and the Helsinki Declaration, 1964, but also revised in 2013, Article 25 and 26. According to top constitutional lawyer Rocco Galati, both government and private businesses cannot impose mandatory vaccinations. Mandatory vaccination in all employment contexts would be unconstitutional and or illegal and unenforceable there is no legislation that allows an employer to terminate an employee for not getting a COVID-19 shot If an employer does so, they are inviting a wrongful dismissal claim, as well as a claim for a human rights code violation. For those employees who are influenced, pressured, or coerced by their employer to have the COVID-19 shot and suffer any adverse consequence as a result of the injection, the employer and its directors, officers, and those in positions carrying out these measures on behalf of the employer will be opening themselves up to a personal civil liability and potential personal criminal liability under the Nuremberg Code the criminal code of canada and the crimes against humanity and war crimes act of canada all referenced above in conclusion administration of vaccines is defined as a medical procedure in what other medical context could non-doctors and non-pharmacists prescribe promote and help distribute pharmaceutical drugs this is unauthorized practice of medicine Thereby, I hereby notify you that I will hold you personally liable for any financial injury and or loss of my personal income and my ability to provide food and shelter for my family if you use coercion or discrimination against me based on my decision not to participate in the COVID-19 experimental treatments. But wait, there's more. (laughs) So that was... Just vaccine liability. I also gave them a notice of liability for COVID-19 testing. So, in regards to any COVID-19 testing forcibly required, mandated, or administered to Canadian citizens, including children, by the government, appointed officials, employers, educators, and the like... This is an official and personal notice of liability. You are not my physician or medical professional, and therefore you are unlawfully practicing medicine by prescribing, recommending, and or using coercion to insist I submit to testing for COVID-19, such as, but not limited to, PCR testing, which includes rapid tests, blood tests, or any medical intervention to determine any communicable disease known through proof of a genome report. To begin with... The emergency measures are based on the claim that we are experiencing a public health emergency. There is no evidence to substantiate this claim. In fact, the evidence indicates that we are experiencing a rate of infection consistent with normal influenza season. The purported increase in cases is a direct consequence of increased testing through the inappropriate use of the PCR instrument to diagnose alleged COVID-19. It has been well established that the PCR test was never designed or intended as a diagnostic tool and is not an acceptable instrument to measure this alleged pandemic. Its inventor, again, we've already gone over this, Carrie Mullis, has clearly indicated that the PCR testing device was never created to test for coronavirus. Mullis warns that the PCR test can be used to find almost anything in anybody, and if you can amplify one single molecule, then you can find it because that molecule is nearly in every single person. In light of this warning, the current PCR test utilization, set at a higher amplification's plus 35, is producing up to 97% false positives. Therefore, any imposed emergency measures that are based on PCR testing are unwarranted, unscientific, and quite possibly fraudulent. An international consortium of life science scientists has detected 10 major scientific flaws at the molecular and methodological level, in a three-peer review of the RT-PCR test to detect sars cov In November 2020, a Portuguese court ruled that PCR tests are unreliable. On November 20, 2020, a study from Wuhan of nearly 10 million residents revealed that the detection of asymptomatic positive cases was very low, and there was no evidence of transmission from asymptomatic people. A nucleic acid test was used rather than the unreliable PCR testing— On December 14, 2020, the WHO admitted the PCR test has a problem at high amplifications as it detects dead cells from old viruses, giving a false positive. February 16, 2021, BC Health Officer Bonnie Henry admitted PCR tests are unreliable. On April 8, 2021, we're going over this again, the Austrian court ruled the PCR was unsuited for COVID testing. On April 8, 2021, a German court ruled against PCR testing stating the test cannot provide any information on whether a person is infected with an active pathogen or not because the test cannot distinguish between dead matter and living matter. On May 8th, 2021, the Swedish Public Health Agency stopped PCR testing for the same reason. On May 10th, 2021, Manitoba's chief, microbiologist, and laboratory specialist Dr. Jared Bullard testified under cross-examination in a trial before the Court of Queen's Bench in Manitoba that the PCR test results do not verify infectiousness and were never intended to be used to diagnose respiratory illnesses. Here's some new stuff. On July 21, 2021, Innova Medical Group recalled unauthorized SARS-CoV-2 antigen rapid qualitative tests with risk of false test results. The FDA has identified this as a class 1 recall, the most serious type of recall. Use of these devices may cause serious injuries or death. On July 21, 2021, the CDC sent out a lab alert revoking the emergency use authorization to RT-PCR for COVID-19 testing and encourages laboratories to adopt a multiplexed method that can facilitate detection and differentiation of SARS-CoV-2 and influenza. Oh my goodness, influenza viruses. Uh, Almost done, I swear. The Nuremberg Code, to which Canada is a signatory, states that it is essential before performing a medical procedure on human beings that there is voluntary informed consent. It also confirms a portion Oh my goodness, a person involved should have legal capacity to give consent without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or ulterior form of constraint or coercion, and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him or her to make an understanding and enlightened decision." Nuremberg Code, Article 6, Section 1, any preventative, diagnostic, and therapeutic medical intervention is only to be carried out with the prior free and informed consent of the person concerned, based on adequate information. The consent should, where appropriate, be expressed and may be withdrawn by the person concerned at any time and for any reason without disadvantage or prejudice. Article 6, Section 3. In no case should a collective community agreement or the consent of a community leader or other authority substitute for an individual's informed consent. I'm going to read that again. In no case should a collective community agreement or the consent of a community leader or other authority substitute for an individual's informed consent. Under the Crimes Against Humanity and War Crimes Act of Canada, a crime against humanity means, among other things, murder. Any other inhumane act or omission that is committed against any civilian population or any identifiable group, and that, at the time and in place of its commission, constitutes a crime against humanity according to customary international law, conventional international law or by virtue of it being criminal according to the general principles of law are recognized by the community of nations whether or not it constitutes a contravention of the law in force at the time and in the place of its commission the act also confirms that every person who conspires or attempts to commit is an accessory after the fact in relation to or counsels In relation to, a crime against humanity is guilty of an offense and liable to imprisonment for life. Under sections 265 and 266 of the Criminal Code of Canada, a person commits an assault when, without the consent of another person, he applies force intentionally to that other person directly or indirectly. Everyone who commits an assault is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term not exceeding five years or an offense punishable on summary conviction. According to Section 14.1 of the Quarantine Act, screening cannot involve the entry into the traveler's body of any instrument or other foreign body. There is no legislation that allows an employer, business owner, educator, government entity, or any individual in any other capacity to discriminate against, force, coerce, prescribe, recommend, or mandate Mandate that any person, including children, submit to a medical procedure, especially with the threat of loss of guaranteed rights, such as, but not limited to, employment, education, goods and services, travel, or respect for bodily autonomy. Anyone involved in pressuring, influencing, or coercing others to submit to a COVID test And that individual suffers any adverse consequences, including but not limited to emotional duress as a result of the test, will be opening themselves up to personal, civil, liability, and potential personal criminal liability. According to the Canadian Criminal Code, the Privacy Act, the Nuremberg Code, and the Crimes Against Humanity and War Crimes Act of Canada. We're almost there. Administration of COVID-19 testing is defined as a medical procedure. In what other context could non-doctors and non-pharmacists prescribe or promote medical testing? This is an unauthorized practice of medicine. Bodily integrity is the inviolability of the physical body and emphasizes the importance of personal autonomy, self-ownership, and self-determination of human beings over their own bodies. In the field of human rights, violation of the bodily integrity of another is regarded as an unethical infringement, intrusive, and possibly criminal. And again, it goes into say, I notify you that I will hold you personally liable for any harm I may suffer, financial injury, loss of my personal income and ability to provide food and shelter for myself, family, if you use coercion, force, or discriminate against me based on my decision not to participate in COVID-19 testing of any kind, not limited to rapid testing, internal swabbing, or blood tests. So that is all the information that I gave them today. Um... And I think that, you know, lays it out pretty fucking simply, to be perfectly honest. Um, But like I said, we'll see what they do with this information. Um, It is October 17th. Their policy is put in place as of November 1st. So we'll see if I'm terminated as of November 1st or what will come of it. Um, But I'm wholeheartedly not guinea-pigging myself for a experimental non-vaccine um I don't know the long-term effects it hasn't been tested for more than you know five to ten years as um those things ought to be and um I'm a hundred percent wholeheartedly standing up for my rights so We'll see how she goes friends much love thank you for listening to all of this <sighs> wasn't my best ted talk but you know it is what it is
1: <laughs>
0: i hope you are enjoying uh, your weekend and if you're not listening to it right now this minute i hope you are just having a fantastic day i hope you are healthy and well And you know what, I'm gonna scratch hope. I know that you are happy, healthy, and well.